Cynic Empowerment. Last time on Cynic Empowerment. Your mom's having a little bit of trouble, and maybe I could be of some assistance. And then he pulls out like a gun from his back pocket, and he like cocks it and puts it back. (laughs) Oh, that's a horrible idea. (laughs) Yeah, because he's like, yeah, you get what I mean? I'm going to kill him. I have, you know? a, I have a loaded <laughs> cock gun in my back pocket that if I move yeah. the wrong way is going to shoot a giant hole into my buttocks. Yeah, it makes your butthole more efficient. Welcome, everybody. This is Cynic Empowerment. My name is Jimmy Horn. And I'm Tim Carpenter. Welcome, everyone, to today's episode. We're so happy to have you here. You know, I haven't thanked our listeners in quite a while. We really appreciate you guys for tuning in. It's that little silver lining in in Jimmy and Mon's life. Yeah. We, we love you so much. Yes, every every listen you you all add to our show is is a silver lining in our life. Yeah, little glimmer of hope in a world filled with sadness and misery, filled with congenital heart defects, killer waves. All of the disgusting things in life that make it seem like it's not worth living. But you, our listeners, you keep us going strong. And if you ever decide not to listen, we're just going to kill ourselves. <laughs> wow. That's not like an ultimatum. That's not like crazy yeah. spouse relationship issues. Don't don't put us in that situation. If you all don't ever leave drink. us... And go and listen to a different podcast that isn't ours. We're just going to end our fucking lives. Yep, that's right. No pressure. uh, With that being said, we're going to talk about some awesome stories for you guys today. Typical Cynic Empowerment style, bringing you the derision, the sadness, the disgusting world, one cynical point at a time. But we're not going to leave you hanging. Of course, we are going to discuss the silver linings. As a little pick-me-up, a little thank you, a little reciprocity for you, our faithful, loyal listeners. You want to know what I usually use as a little pick-me-up? Uh, some type of alcohol? I don't know. Co- what, what coffee. Coffee. A cup of coffee? Yeah. A cup of coffee. Well, but you usually have it at home. Right. In your house. Yeah, I'm like, yeah exactly. I'm a frugal human being, so you know, I... That's- I have mm-hmm. my coffee and I, you know, I make it and I drink it in the comfort of my home because I'm not a yeah. fucking animal. That's what a lot of people do. I mean, unless you're going out to the local Starbucks and picking it up through the window of a car, you know, that's something that you could do. That's pretty normal, right? Yeah, it's a, it's socially acceptable for some reason. <laughs> it's not, yeah, not <laughs> yet to have some kind of uh, uh, antisocial relationship. You you talk to them through a little box. They're there to serve you, and then you get to the window, and you try not to make too much eye contact because you know that they hate their job. And as much as you like, hate yourself. Pretty much. As much as you hate yourself for paying $5 for a cup of mediocre coffee. Yep. That's right. I said it. It's mediocre. All you Starbucks fanboys out there. Fuck off. Yeah. It's okay coffee. It's okay at best. Jeez. What, what, but if you really, if you really want – the best coffee you could possibly have, I think that location is key. Mm. It's really not about the ingredient. It's about where you are enjoying the coffee. I mean, on some level, I can agree to that. I feel like coffee always tastes better when you're on vacation as opposed to when you're waking up at 6 in the morning just trying to rack your brain enough to to make you able to function a a vehicle. Well, that's... hmm. I feel like you have some plausible deniability if you're in your like drunken pre-caffeine stupor. But if you find yourself out in the world and you plan to be at a specific location yeah. making coffee, then you are culpable for your actions 100%. Like if you find yourself at the top of uh, the, the, the tallest pyramid in Egypt making coffee – then the history police have a right to charge the, you know, find the hell out, out of you, right? Yeah, I'm down with that. It'll make a lot of sense. Is there anywhere else in the world that this is a reasonable recourse? 
Well, apparently in Venice, uh, they have some uh, pretty big issues with uh, over-tourism. So the the city itself, Venice, has an actual population of 55,000 people, meaning there's 55,000 people that are registered citizens of that area that live there year-round. Yet that same city has over 30 million visitors flocking to it every single year. So uh, when you compare when you compare the two, it's like fifty five thousand over here, thirty million visitors. It would seem that uh, any given day, there's way more tourists than actual people living there. That kind of reminds me of the guy that painted his city in order to save it. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's it's it's, little... it's probably the same ratio. It's like <laughs> one person to a million visitors. Oh yeah. Oh. So all these people who are effectively wearing floaties year-round because Venice is, like, entirely underwater, right? It's like yeah. Atlantis at this point. It, it is literal Atlantis. Like, a future, I don't know, alien species or whatever, humans, like, gills. like dig up the ground. They're going to be like, holy shit, there's a fucking city over here. And they had boats and yeah. shit. It was underwater. Yeah, we were great before everybody started making coffee on our bridges, motherfuckers. Damn. Especially Rialto Bridge, uh, one of the few places in Venice that's still above water and recently renovated. Yeah, so these asshole German tourists were like, hey, we're, we're in Italy. Italy's known for having fantastic coffees like the espresso and the cappuccino and whatnot, basically inventing mm-hmm. these uh, fantastic drinks. So like, fuck that. We're not, we don't want your $5 coffee. Instead, we're fucking backpacking tourists. They have like your typical camelbacking type of backpack filled with God knows what supplies. And they're like, let's just act like we're in the middle of the woods and just start brewing some coffee on this historic bridge. No one will mind. Surely it's okay. But then the local police took note. And there was a major offense. They were arrested as a result of their actions. Hey, what are you doing? You're making a coffee all over a historic bridge. But I cannot make this. I cannot make <laughs> What the hell is wrong with you? You will come over with me now. I, and I guess they went. I mean, I'd put up a little bit of a fight. They're Germans. They have to follow rules. If, they- if someone comes up with a badge that says Policia, they have to do whatever they say. They Any, Anything? They don't understand free will. Uh, Well, I mean, yeah, Italian police. I bet they're pretty scary. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just imagine like all Italian police just always have like white gloves on, and they're like, "Oh, my glove got a dirty. I gotta go back to police station get new glove." They care a lot about fashion there. That's what I've heard. <laughs> I think if if anything can be said about Italians is that they care a lot about fashion, right? That's part of the stereotype. It is. Um, yeah, I don't even know. I don't. Really, I don't even. I mean, they don't have guns. They're not like American police. So I don't even know what they did when they got over to them. Just like wrote on a piece of paper, like you and now owe us a lot of money. Give us the money whenever you feel like. A thousand sixty-five dollars. That's how much. Yeah. How much they charge them uh, for offending uh, the rules of public decorum and respect? Hmm. <laughs> you think that like. The, the police came up and they were like, hey, uh, you're uh, offending the rules of public decorum and respect. Uh, we're going to give you a warning this once. And then the Berliner was like, fuck you, and like spit on the bridge. And they were like, that's it, motherfucker, and then slapped him with a $1,000 fine as a result. Maybe. Do Germans even know how to spit? Um, maybe they just like, they just made the sound. Like, they were like, patooey. Patooey. <laughs> <laughs> And the Italian was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I see that you just tried to spit on the bridge, uh, which is basically the same thing as spitting on the bridge. I know exactly what you were trying to communicate. So you guys got to get your ass out of town. You broke our decorum laws. Yeah. You're, you you have it's like it's like uh, if you ever cause like a ruckus in like a movie theater or something like that, they like effectively ban you from the movie theater. Like basically they banned these Germans from the town. It's like, it's like they have like wanted posters all over the town of Venice. Like if you see these two awful people, like let the police know immediately wanted for over a million dollars. It's like, what do they do? It's like, they drank coffee on a historic bridge. And everyone's like, Oh, gasp. 
and they show up in town the next day and they just have mustaches. Yeah. <laughs> and they're making tea this time. Ach yeah, so never know. The, the Italians are so stupid. They cannot tell difference with mustache. <laughs> we'll make our tea and we'll have just as much caffeine. Ach yeah. So smart. I drink a lot more tea than you do coffee in order to get that much caffeine. That's neither here nor there. Um, anyways, is this fair? Like, should they be able to do this? Yeah. Uh, originally, when I read this, I was I was on uh, the German side. I was like, this is bullshit. These fucking Germans should be allowed to make their coffee. Who the hell is this oppressive state telling you where you can and can't make coffee? But then when I started thinking about it more of just like through the eyes of a Venetian of just having to deal with all these goddamn tourists year-round because your city's, I don't know, has been considered cool for some reason. And just having, like, the audacity of these asshole Germans that are just like, yeah, I'll make my fucking coffee on this fucking historic bridge just because I can. I don't know. I'm, I'm just like, I don't, I don't know. I'm looking at them through the, I, the, the eyes. These are just some fucking dirty hippies. And uh, well, I'm glad they got it seems fined. Like- it seems like both sides have a hefty amount of national pride. Uh, on one hand, of course, you have the Italians who care very much for their uh, recently renovated uh, UNESCO heritage site. Um, but on the other hand, you have Germans that want to do things themselves and want to, uh, I don't know, be self-sufficient in any place they can be. Um <laughs> Oh, yeah, this uh, Italian uh, (laughs) coffee is inferior to our superior German grounds. (laughs) Yeah, it just seems like really inefficient. But regardless, I I could see how either one of these two parties is in the wrong. Uh, $1,000 does seem a little steep. I feel like they could have just slapped him with a $50 ticket and told him to move along. Yeah. The, the, but the Italian police, they're, they're, they're giving a sign, letting all, all new future tourists of Venice that they don't fuck around. Yeah, that's right. You got to make an example out of Business. somebody. You know what they – man, that would have been an awesome segue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's not our yeah. next story, so – Oh, well. Oh, well. <laughs> Maybe next time. So, Tim, uh, what is the silver lining of, I don't know, these German assholes getting fined by Italian assholes for being assholes? Um, hmm. That's a pretty tough thing. I, I'm not exactly sure if there is a silver lining to this. Um, if there is, it's that the uh, the Italians who are apparently struggling to reconcile the massive influx of tourists, unwanted tourists, that uh, are making a little bit of money off of them. You know. Yeah, I think they should just start like if tourism's such an issue for Venice, they should just start like finding the shit out of everybody. Just like just start like making up like bullshit laws like so quick that there's no way the tourists can keep up with. What the laws are. It's like, oh, uh, it's Tuesday and you're wearing yellow socks. Uh, sorry, buddy. That's a $500 fine. It's like, what? How, how am I supposed they to know? Like, they have these uh, uh, little tiles in the street. It's like, oh, you stepped on the black cobblestone. You're not supposed to step on the black cobblestone because the black cobblestone is hot lava. And the hot lava charge you $50. <laughs> it's like, are you actually a policeman? <laughs> Oh. Yes, I'm a policeman, hot lava policeman. I'm a hot lava policeman. Look at my hot lava policeman badge. You see me? I don't stand on any of the black tiles. Yeah, they are, they are spicy meatball. Mm. <laughs> and then you just like see him like walking in the most strange way possible, not to step on any of the black tiles away. It's like, what yes. the fuck just happened? <laughs> High knees all over the exactly. place. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, to put the shoe on the other foot... Uh, Unfortunately, there are a lot of jurisdictions uh, uh, in the United States that are not being appropriately fined for doing wrong, uh, obviously wrong things. <laughs> uh, kind of like uh, all of the people that have recently been found to have congenital heart diseases when they live within a certain radius of fracking sites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this was a. A study done by the University of Colorado, 
who found that over 17 million Americans living within a mile from active oil or gas wells uh, suffered from congenital heart defects. Yeah, so mm-hmm. yeah, basically what what this whole study shows is that if you live near one of like either an oil refinery location or like uh, some kind of fracking site, then you're uh, anywhere between 40 to 70 percent more likely to uh, have a congenital uh, heart defect. And mm-hmm. so unfortunately, as with many of the sad things uh, of this world, this disproportionately affects uh, lower income people and within mm-hmm. that bracket, uh, African-Americans. So it's just a super clusterfuck of sadness that people that don't really necessarily choose where these, uh, uh, I don't know, oil places and fracking locations are, are being negatively affected by them in a very large way. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure a lot of y'all have heard about the issues uh, that are being experienced by the populations of Flint, Michigan, uh, many uh, places in West Virginia, uh, and you know the Appalachian regions in general, especially those that are experiencing mountaintop removal. There are many byproducts that are <laughs> given them the the biggest shadow of doubt, uh, you know, the benefit of the doubt as possible. Maybe it's unforeseen, <laughs> you know, unforeseen horrible byproducts of these uh, uh, fossil fuel mining efforts. Well, for, um, for some but- people, it doesn't seem like it's unforeseen. So we have a tweet here from uh, Dr. Sandra Steingrabber. And so basically her Stein, – Stein, Stein grabber? Stein grabber. Maybe she's related to those German folks that were drinking coffee and uh, – <laughs> In their Stein. Yeah. I mean if that's not a German name, I don't know what one is. <laughs> uh, and so her tweet in response to all of this is, first of all, the link makes sense. We know that these specific birth defects which affect the valves and great arteries of the heart are associated with prenatal exposure to benzene or diesel exhaust. And we know that benzene diesel exhaust are found in air near fracking sites. So, I I mean, I guess maybe the companies themselves will claim plausible deniability of like, we didn't know. There's no way we could have possibly known anything about that. But then, you know, uh, environmentalists and people that actually pay attention to the negative ramifications of such things are like, oh, no, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. Yeah, we kind of saw this coming. Yeah, or or at the very least, uh, they might have legal recourse just by saying, well, uh, you know, we might have a fracking site here, but we own this property. We don't necessarily have to pay attention to who lives near this. Uh, the byproduct is not something that is directly caused by us, so we can't found to be culpable. They should move away. You know, they should go somewhere else. They they have a choice to, you know, go wherever as long as it's not here. So I, I don't know. I, if if they are given any type of legal recourse whatsoever, then they're probably going to take it, just because it's in their benefit to do so. Um, of course, you know a lot of these numbers. Um, I said 17 million Americans earlier. Uh, this is taken from the information that was done by the University of Colorado between year 2005 and 2011, studying more than 3,000 newborns. Now, Colorado in particular has over 60,000 fracking sites. Um, and you can actually, uh, there, there's some nice links here. We, we could probably put that in the show notes. Uh, the, the, the map with the 60,000 fracking sites. Yeah. You can go through the state and you can find where they're all at. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic. Jimmy was actually talking about this earlier. Um, apparently it was, um, the, a responsibility of, it was the governor that opened the state up to, uh, I mean, to fracking. I, I know that Hickenlooper, uh, Governor Hickenlooper, who's now, uh, trying to become president of the United States of America, supported fracking. I, I don't know if he's the only person responsible, but, uh, to the extent that he supported fracking, he, as, I guess, as a stunt, I don't know how to exactly describe it, he drank fracking water. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> he drank fracking water in front of a group of people to show, like, hey, look, I didn't die. See, it's fine. 
And now every time he exhales, there's this thick green mist that emanates from his mouth. Yeah. It's pretty gross. It's, if you get anywhere close to it, it'll burn your eyebrows right off. Yeah, I just I don't understand why politicians feel the need to go like so far of like pandering the show like they try to act like something's fine. It's like I drank this fracking water once and now I'm never going to be exposed to it or live near any of the fracking sites ever again, so I don't have to worry about it, you know? It's just like what the fuck is wrong with you? He's like, I'm fine. I'm fine and his eye something out of his head. Absolutely disgusting. Yeah. But it is true. Like these people are, are uh, yeah, they're, they're well-to-do politicians. They're going to be exposed to it as much as they see fit. Exactly. By choice. Right. <laughs> uh, which is a, a, you know, a little insult to injury for a lot of these folks that find themselves in the inadequate financial situations, uh, to not be able to live anywhere other than near a fracking site. It's uh, it's pretty shitty. Super shitty. Of course, uh, you know this this uh, study is done in the wake of uh, our national um, the the White House <laughs> yep. uh, plan to open up over seven hundred twenty five thousand acres of public land in California to oil and gas companies. Yay! So there's a possibility that more people could be in danger as a result of fracking. But hey, Yay. you know that. that that might mean that might mean uh, cheaper fossil fuels for you in the future Ooh. if there's a big enough flux. Those who control those re- resources see fit to drop the price down <laughs> as a result of that. Yeah, uh, supply and demand, my friend. Mm-hmm. Oh man, yeah, that's pretty sad indeed. Do you, you know any any silver line with this man? Uh, yes. Uh. <laughs> It's pretty tough. Um, hmm. I would say that uh, the silver lining here is that every time we open up a fracking site, every time we crack the surface of the earth, ten puppies die. <laughs> ten puppies. It makes it that much more likely that the aliens that are held prisoner at the core of the earth will eventually surface. And yes. destroy all of humanity. A oh, hollow earth theory. <laughs> yeah. That's right. There's There are alien worms down there, and they want to destroy all of humanity. Oh, yes. That's where all and, the dinosaurs are. <laughs> yeah, that includes all the people responsible for making these laws. So, you know, sometimes you got you to gotta sacrifice a little. You got to break a few eggs. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, I think that's uh, possibly the only possible mm. silver lining for this but speaking of uh making sacrifices and breaking some eggs sometimes big sacrifices yeah. need to be made yeah sometimes you need to crucify an egg you know what i mean yeah yeah behead that egg it'd be hard to do but i'm willing to try it send a message because sometimes it's the egg's fault that the chicken had it you know what i mean uh possibly yeah and if that chicken decided to stage a protest against the farmer. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Then you need to behead that egg. And then... Makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. There you go. Seam- That's it. Seamless segue. Case in point. <laughs> you want to you wanna introduce this next story, Jimmy? I'm going to do my best. So okay. I'm going to start by reading the title of the article so everyone can get their minds set for the awesome uh, sadness that is to come. So the title of this article is, They were convicted uh, of minor crimes as teens and now face beheading and crucifixion in Saudi Arabia. So this story, if we're going to look at it from a chronological sense, uh, really starts somewhere between 2010 and 2011, uh, which is uh, when all of the air quotes crimes of these three teens were committed. So 2010 through 2011 is uh, when the Arab Spring was happening in Saudi Arabia, where the eastern province of Saudi Arabia, which is predominantly uh, Shia Muslims, um, yeah. who only t- mm-hmm. make up about 50% of Saudi Arabia's population, were protesting for the unfair treatment they were receiving by their Sunni uh, Muslim government. 
And so basically lots and lots of people during this time were uh, arrested by their authoritarian uh, dictator uh, government. And uh, three of the people that were arrested were the three teens, Ollie, all Nemer, uh, the next name. I'm going to include next name because you probably don't know when the name started and next name. Uh, Abdullah Al Zahir and Dawood Al Marhoon. And so these three individuals, they were respectively 17, 16, and 15 at the time of their arrest. Yeah. Uh, and, and they were, uh, Arrested and held in captivity until they were of age, uh, which I guess they waited until the 15-year-old turned 18. Yeah. I guess they were trying to try them all together. Um, but the, the plot thickens when you consider why these people were taken into custody at all because it, apparently one of the – uh, one of the young fellows that was arrested had an uncle, a uh, reformist Shia clerk and uh, protest leader, Sheikh Nimr al-Namir. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of his relationship, you know, <laughs> because of this egg's relationship to the chicken, uh, he was – he received a more harsh treatment as a result of it. Yeah. Uh, so these, these people probably would not have been persecuted nearly as heavily – uh, even though they, they did have uh, ties to the protests, uh, unless they, in fact, were related to someone who was one of the leaders of that, that organized uh, assembly. Well, it's, it's just unfortunate because they're – well, it's unfortunate for a lot of reasons. But, well, as far as their air quotes crimes are concerned, so basically all these individuals, when they were arrested, they basically disappeared – for weeks without their parents knowing where the hell uh, they were. And they were tortured heavily until they gave confessions for crimes that they may or may not have committed. Because people, when they're tortured, will own up to anything. And uh, I think I was even reading earlier that the the papers they signed for their confessions, they weren't allowed to read. So I don't even think they really know what the fuck they confessed to. So the extent of which they yeah. actually committed any crimes, because uh, while, while we mentioned earlier, they were protesters. Uh, none of them were arrested uh, during a protest. They were re- arrested after the fact. So, like when you when you read the story, like it, it doesn't even seem like there's any evidence that they were even protested because they're being executed based on confessions that they didn't read. Hmm. Seems like a bit of a clusterfuck. I don't know. Mm. Uh, it doesn't really. It doesn't really make any sense why this regime would even want to uh, crucify slash behead these kids. Uh, well, they're not kids now, <laughs> so they can get around all of that, my friend. Yeah, they can skirt the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child, even though they were considering crucifying oh Al-Namir in 2017. I didn't even know we like there were places where people were still crucified. I thought we were over that, like legitimately. Like I, I didn't think yeah, that was a thing anymore. Well, I, there have been a couple of episodes in the past in which we thought some things had gone the way of the dodo, like uh, like tuberculosis, for example. Oh, yeah. Like I thought that that was, for the most part, you know, defunct, that there was no tuberculosis going on on the planet. And sure enough, it's still one of the major killers of humans today. <laughs> like, it's just a, a matter of it falling out of popular discourse in the Western world, in developed nations, like, and then you stop talking about it because it doesn't affect the people that look like you. Like, I'm pretty sure that if you took my exact life, my like everything that I've done up to this point, and just like transport it from growing up in the United States and transport to Saudi Arabia, I would have been executed by this point. Like, there's no way. That, like, when you look at the things, these protested. What's that? Have you been a protester? Um, I guess technically a couple of times. Yeah. So yeah, I guess I would have been executed at this point. Yeah, you'd be totally dead. I'd be fucking you'd totally dead. Been dead. And in a terrible way too. You would have been like, <laughs> I don't know. uh... They would have like hung you up by your toes and given you like fifty bamboo lashes to the front of your nose, God. or something like that. Yeah. Cha cha cha. Uh. I don't. 
it would be it would be absolutely terrible, Jimmy. You'd, you'd be going down for sure. Like I don't know how the majority of like Saudi Arabians don't end up like murdered. Like when you when you look at the things these people are being executed for, like I just don't understand how like like, like fifty exactly essentially nothing. How like fifty like the entire population of Saudi Arabia isn't in prison. You know what I mean? Oh man. Yeah, yeah, y'all gotta see the picture of these these kids too. Like they're obviously very young. <laughs> yeah, what you, what, uh, they still got that like baby fat in their face. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, seriously, ah, it's very disheartening. Yeah, that's that's pretty shitty. I like this this uh this one uh, paragraph here where they're talking about the uh, the court system and how they're like militarized guards all over the place. Yeah, I mean not not that the United States is too far off of that. Uh, but I certainly don't have to worry about all my police officers being armed with an automatic weapon. Well, so uh, I guess just to add an extra layer of the fucked upness for the court trials of these the, these uh, kids went under to be uh, deemed okay to be executed under Saudi Arabian law. So the defense lawyers for these uh, kids weren't allowed to meet with the kids before giving them a defense in court. So basically the lawyers weren't able to make a defense for the people they were defending, which were these kids, because they weren't allowed to talk to them before the trial. Hmm. It seems that really, that really stifles the ability for the defense lawyer to form a case. Yeah. Um, it's almost like it's rigged that way. It's, I don't know. This entire story is like so ridiculous and absurd. It's, it's almost unreal. It's when you, just start looking at everything. It's like, how can you even consider this like justice or rule of law? It's, uh, I mean, obviously it's not, it's just like the facade. It's like, yeah, there was a trial. So we get a, but, but it was totally staged and, you know, and there were confessions, but they were forced and there was blah, blah, blah. But, uh, we, we manipulated that too. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, Saudi Arabia is a horrible, awful regime. Uh, Tim, what's the silver lining? In January, before we go into the silver lining, I just have to say this one thing. Uh, nice little, uh, nice little fact here. Uh, in January of 2016, 46 prisoners were executed in in a in a, in a mass fashion uh, as a result of the uh, the human rights activity. Uh, or the human rights activism that was going on in the area. Nice. And it wasn't like out of those, like a certain number of them also teens at the time that they were convicted. Uh, six, six of the 37 that were executed. Nice. Yeah. So let's see, you had 46 that were killed and then you had, uh, Oh no, wait, that was different. Oh my God. That was a different mass execution. Holy shit. There's just so many of them. You can't keep track of them. Hmm. That was April of this year. 37 more were killed in a mass execution in April, and six of the 37 were minors. Nice. Jesus. Ka-chow, I say. Ka-chow. Oh, God damn it. We're doing this for you, listeners. This is for you. I'm breaking the fourth wall because I'm feeling a little down, and I need more people to think about other than the fact that there are – 80 odd people that have been killed in mass executions in the last three years. Well, I th- yeah. Well, that doesn't include all the not mass executions. Cause I think they executed almost over 200 people last year. Probably a lot more. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to want you all to think about the United States relationship with Saudi Arabia because, uh, it's pretty fucked up. It's pretty yeah. fucked up. Or we're willing to look in the other direction. Fuck. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Silver linings. Let's talk silver linings. Fuck. Uh, so I decided to torture myself by watching YouTube uh, about this mm-hmm. beforehand. And in the case of Ali Al-Numir, uh, there is uh, at least some organizations that are trying to i don't know why he's gotten the focus but out of this three there seems to be more focus on the online community of of uh trying to stall his execution and yeah. um 
he has the support of his mom and she loves him very much and it's uh you know it's super sad but uh if these guys did protest as of now it's hard to know based on the cloudiness of everything leading up to this point it shows that uh they're very brave individuals who you know stood up for what they believed in uh despite living under an oppressive regime and uh probably going to end up dying as a result of it. Oh my god. <laughs> Cuz I personally am not that brave. I, and if I was a Shia Muslim living in eastern Saudi Arabia, I probably would have been a little uh wimpy bitch pants and stayed home. Yeah, I I'm not I probably wouldn't have protested either. Oh man. Well, what happens when you know you you, you see an evil in the world, yep. but Instead of that evil being uh, rampant, terrible religious ideologies or oppressive government regimes, it just happens to be a force of nature, like a wave. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Oh, my God. Okay, so <laughs> we are going to – this is an endless barrage of sadness. Uh, it, it's a heavy episode today. Is it heavier uh, than the weight of a rushing wave? <laughs> well, it depends if that wave breaks your neck or not, really. Jesus. Uh, so as of – I guess this was this past Thursday, last Thursday. Last All right. Thursday, which is the 18th? Yeah. So on the 18th, well, before we before we get started with the with the date and you know what, what ultimately happened, let's paint a picture. Okay. I want to tell you, Jimmy, and our listeners about a man. This man, What's his name? Lee Dingle. I'm not gonna laugh. Was I'm afraid from laughing. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. It's a funny name, but don't laugh because he's he's a fucking awesome so guy. The more you laugh now, the more you'll hate yourself later. Dingle was the president of Atlas Engineering in Raleigh, North Carolina, a company that specializes in solving structural problems and repairing damaged buildings. He had a big heart. Uh, he worked – as a collapsed rescue engineer with North Carolina Emergency Management. Wow. He was on the urban search and rescue squad that goes into collapsed or burned buildings to rescue trapped people and recover those that died, including those at the recent gas explosions in Durham. So he risked his and life on a regular basis to save other people's lives. On a regular basis. And he had six children, four of which were adopted. Wow. That's all I gotta say. Uh, a fantastic human being. Yeah. And his life was unfortunately cut short as of Thursday. He was visiting the beach with three of his kids. Oak Island's beach. Wait, what about the other three kids? Was he just like, fuck you kids, you don't get to come? Well, they were the adopted ones. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, Tim. <laughs> I don't know which kids he took, okay? I was just saying. God damn it. <laughs> Uh, three of his kids and, uh, he was swimming around, you know, they were having a great time. They were probably playing with one of those, uh, you know, inflatable beach toys. Right, the little, uh, uh, and maybe somebody was sitting in an inner tube. Maybe they were tossing around a beach ball, you know, having a, having a great old time. Uh, when all of a sudden this doom wave comes out of nowhere full of hatred and malicious intent. Right. And it comes up and it, it taps Dingle on the shoulder. And it's like, hey, motherfucker, the ocean says hello. And just fucking breaks his neck. It flips him over backwards onto the sand and he breaks his neck. And as a result of this, his brain doesn't get oxygen for a critical amount of time and he dies. Jesus Christ. Kills him. Kills him. He was 37 years old. So, don't take life for granted, y'all. How is that? I didn't even know that could happen. Like, I didn't even know that was, like, a thing that was possible. Well, there's a couple of things that need to happen in order for this to go perfectly right. Uh, or you mean perfectly which, wrong, right? Like, you meant to say perfectly perf wrong? Uh, that's totally what I meant. Thanks for fixing that for me, Jim. Uh, 
Uh, there's a couple of things that need to happen for this to go perfectly wrong. <clears throat> uh, first, you have to have a massive wave of critical volume and critical evil. Okay. And this volume has to be gunning for good people in particular. Now, apart from this, you also happen to need a body that is light and easily thrown about and a neck that is made of glass. <laughs> But how did like the three kids not die? The three kids, you know what I'm saying? Like he's a 37 year old man. Like how did like the three kids like make it out alive from the death wave? Was he just like okay? Like was he just like standing on like the beach's edge of like, hey, look at the giant wave coming, guys. I'm gonna go face it. What? Here goes yeah. Daddy. Daddy's gonna go face off against the giant wave, and the kids are like, "Yeah, it's gonna be awesome." He's like, "Here I am. I'm just standing here waiting for the wave to come." And the wave comes like. And then the wave like knocks to the ground. They're like, "Whoa, that's awesome!" And then like he doesn't get up. It's like, "Daddy, why aren't you moving, Daddy?" Because his neck's fucking broken. And that wave's like, you know who did it? Katak, Katak. And the the wave is just like, and the wave just like spits on him. And then the Italian police come up. They're like, "Oh, that'll be a fine. That is no decorum. You cannot kill a man on the beach uh, and then spit on his body. That is not okay. Here's a fine for you, a wave." Yeah, you're not allowed to do that. Not on the beach, nowhere. Yeah, you're fine for sleeping on the beach, sir. Yeah. Oh God. God damn it. Uh, so yeah, you're like, how did the kids not get hurt? I think I know how. You ever heard that saying, uh, the two people that never get hurt, babies and drunks? Is that it? Is that it? Did you just about? make that up? Is this, is, no, is no, this no. like your own saying for yourself when you're drinking? No. You're just like, hey, you know what you say? Two people that never get hurt are drunks and babies. Uh, what are you doing, Tim? I'm never gonna get hurt, Tim. Tim, there's, there's a train coming. Why are you standing on the on the on the, on the railroad? Jokes can't get hurt. He's gonna be okay, Tim. Okay. Seriously, get, get off. Hurt. You're gonna die. It's true, okay. <laughs> the two people that never get hurt. So what I'm trying to say is not that those children were babies, but in fact they were alcoholics, and all three of them at the time were totally smashed. So when that wave took them up. They were just loosey goosey, you know, free as the wave goes, and bleh. You know, they just like kind of bounced around all over the place. Damn. I think that's how that Maybe. worked. I could see that. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people have nice things to say about this guy, and for obvious reasons, he apparently was a fantastic human being. Yep. There was a GoFundMe page that was set up for him, and the thing's made over like $260,000. Right. So they've. Uh, of a $200,000 goal. I think they lowballed it. I think that they underestimated just how fantastic their dad was. Yeah. And they could have just been like, ask for more. <laughs> ask for more money. <laughs> yeah, like Mike Abramson gave $5. Me and King gave $200. Michael Fleming gave $58. See, just like double all those. That makes it so easy. Why is this person giving $58? That's a weird amount. Uh, maybe that's all the money they had left in their bank account. They're like, I'm sending it all to this family, and that obviously needs it more than me. Round that shit up, dude. Give them 60 <laughs> And then they could have been at like 500000 That's what their goal should have been. You really need to capitalize on that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Once again, uh, much like the story we talked about, the teen with the failing organs the story was picked up by cnn and it has been spread wide and far so all of their goals have been met and so once again if you want to give to this that's good you're a good person but there there are probably lots of other gofundme campaigns on gofundme that haven't their goals have not been met yet so just keep that in mind I'm not saying that you know this family doesn't need it. Obviously, they're a big family, and they just lost uh, their father in uh, you know the, the middle of his life. I'm not going to say the prime of his life. 37 is a little bit past your prime. Uh, I'm sorry to all of our older listeners. <laughs> I think our median age of listeners is somewhere around like 12. <laughs> yeah, a lot of 12 year olds and a lot of like our parents and not a lot of in between if you get my drift 
we're not we're not offending anybody. We, you know, all of our listeners are are at oldest millennials, except for our parents. Except for our that parents. Thanks for listening. Our longest and most faithful listeners. That's right. Thanks, y'all. Thank you. Uh, and then in that case, thirty-seven's super young. Yeah, that's like that's. <laughs> That was definitely the prime of the – actually, that's early. You know, the prime of your life is more like 63. Did you just like state like either your mother or father's age? I, a little older. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> hey, you got something to look forward to. Something to look forward to. That's right. That's totally right. Anyways, what I was saying, uh, this guy's taken at the, almost the prime of his life. Uh, and he was an engineer, so he probably wasn't – the family probably wasn't too – poor off like this guy was probably pulling in the big bucks hence the reason why they were able to support uh, a family of eight you know yeah. <laughs> uh, and they seemed happy they're taking a beach trip damn it you know <laughs> yeah probably doing just fine uh, anyways you should still donate to situations like this yeah. I, I totally yeah. get it you know absolutely yeah <sighs> or they could have just like posted a picture of their family all over the place, which happens to include an Asian girl in a wheelchair. Yeah. yeah. Man, you could have, you really could have capitalized on that Dingle family. That's mm. true. Mm-hmm. Talk about those heartstrings. How, how about that silver lining, Jimmy? Oh, you gotta go. fuck me. As if we haven't already mentioned it. How about... $260,555 worth of silver lining. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, of all the stories that CNN could have picked up, uh, this was definitely a worthy one as far as getting the word spread out there. Because, I mean, if it hadn't, you know, reached uh, mainstream news, then probably a much uh, less significant number of people would have donated. So, I mean, I guess for once CNN's doing something good. Uh, so kudos to them for uh, yeah. getting the word out there. So that way, uh, you know, the family will be able to support itself. Because as we've said many times, it is a large family. And so now it is one woman raising six children, which I can only imagine how hard that is going to be. Right. That's going to be quite difficult. Um <sighs> uh. Another silver lining. Uh, we all know now that there is a possibility that – uh, in the instance that we are swimming at the beach, if we are to catch a wave the wrong way, we can just fucking break our neck. So be aware. Nice. Uh, your life could be taken from you in an instant. So at least have it happen while you're, you're in good sorts. You know, get all your stuff in order. Uh, have six kids, four of which who are adopted. Uh, go volunteer at, at every opportunity you possibly can. Uh, be like Dingle. You know, live the dingle life. Yeah. Now, I, now I have another thing to add to my list of things to be fearful of. Yay! That's right. It never fucking ends. You know what you really don't need to be afraid of, Jimmy? Tents. Tents. That's right. Tents are not really something to be scared of. No. They're not going to hurt you. That's for sure. I guess, like, oh, the wind could catch it, and one of those little spikes could pop out, and it could, like, whap you in the face. But other than that... Uh, a tent's just a place where people go to stay when they don't have better homes available. Oh yeah, or they to go camping in. You know, that's what I usually use tents for. I have a home. I use tents. Yeah, it's a home away from home. Exactly. Yeah, uh, and there's not a damn thing wrong with it, uh, unless local municipalities are coming after you because you happen to reside in a tent. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe as a, as a primary shelter. Hmm. This this one's kind of a mind bender for me. So apparently these uh, little these signs are going up all over uh, Seattle, and they say as such: see a tent, report a tent. Living outside without access to sanitation is inhumane. Here's what to do: one, on your phone, install the City of Seattle Find It Fix It app. Two, spot a tent. Take 30 seconds to report it. <laughs> That's yeah. it. And then it gives you some like uh, some troubleshooting at the bottom. Uh, but all in all, uh, it's kind of weird how this is laid out. I really have to shit on the graphic designer 
that laid this all out. First and foremost, the 10 on there, it definitely looks like a five-year-old did it. Then you have to actually think, like, what is this sign telling me to do? First, they ask me a question. See a tent? And immediately I think, no, I see a sign that's asking me if I see a tent. <laughs> and then it says, report a tent, period. It demands and commands that I report the tent that I obviously don't see. Hmm. It's pretty ridiculous. And then it gives me a ridiculous uh, uh, reason as to why I would see a tent and thus report a tent. Living outside without access to sanitation is inhumane. What does that have to do with someone living in a tent? Obviously, they can't necessarily help that fact. If it's their primary shelter, then they're not really worried about sanitation. Do you want to know what's even more inhumane than living outside without access to sanitation? Uh, pulling out your smartphone and reporting a homeless person's tent. That's what's more inhumane than living outside without access to sanitation. Yeah, especially when that's ultimately going to lead to that person's tent probably being torn apart, taken away from them. Yeah, uh, you, you can't guarantee that the municipality is going to say, I don't know, take that homeless person to a local shelter, feed them, clothe them, make sure that they are in good health before sending them out into the world or, or even keeping them around. You can't guarantee that any of those things are going to happen. And in all likelihood, just like many other large cities, they're just going to relocate them to another uh, um, uh, you know, place of governance so they don't have to worry about that issue anymore. Yeah, I, I mean, as a cynical fuckhead of 27 years old, I have zero faith that this is a good faith effort of the city to be like, oh yeah, we just care really much about our homeless people. So, uh, you know, you see some tents there, you just uh, report it to us, and we'll come up in our little uh, happy little truck, and we'll load up all the little homeless people and take them to a farm where they'll be nice and taken care of. It's like, no. It's probably going to be well, the police that's going to show up, and they're going to be like, you can't have a tent here, and then like rip it up and throw it back in their face. Pretty much. Uh, and if, the, if that's not the case, all they have to do on that sign is say, living outside without access to sanitation is inhumane. And, inhumane. and instead of saying, here's what to do, put, we care about our local homeless population and want to make sure that they're cared for. Help us care for them. Or something to right, that extent. Exactly. Like, like, and, then, and then fucking follow through on it. Don't make it seem like you're tending to the problem that is living without san sanitation is inhumane. And then pretending to fix that issue by, you know, jerking someone's tent out from underneath them. Exactly. And uh, and claiming that you're doing good. When in actuality, it's just a, a way for you to to report on the less fortunate members of your community. Exactly. It's trying to pose itself as like some virtue signaling of like, oh, we're really concerned about sanitation. And then like when the reality is like they don't give a fuck about that. They're just trying yeah. to, you know, fuck up some people's day. Yeah, uh, I've, I've seen this circulate all over Facebook lately. Um, I, where, where did you find this, Jimmy? Uh, this, Reddit, uh, where I get you all of my it? information. So, I, yeah, I've been found in this. Uh, <laughs> nice. Uh, why diversify when you have the best? Uh, <laughs> this, uh, this information is uh, is fantastic to come across. I've been seeing it all over the place, and it's been proliferated throughout social media. Uh, so a lot of people – have knowledge of this going on. So what we can do together is uh, combat this with uh, a huge volume of response. So you can take the time to install the Find It, Fix It app and then just randomly poke <laughs> spots all over the city of Seattle in the middle of a Walmart, yeah. you know? Uh, on uh, on top of a telephone pole, <laughs> like just reported all over the place. Oh, yeah. Sure enough, the um, the General Inquiry Customer Service Bureau will no longer be able to think that that's a reasonable request from their community because their community and of course those around their community don't want to have anything to do with this kind of bullshit request. Yeah, I think it's pretty great. Yeah, uh, I think I have a new I have a new pastime. Yep. While you're sitting on the toilet, yeah. it's like you know scrolling through uh, your uh, your ex's Facebook profiles from high school. There you go. You, you can download this Find Fix It app 
and fuck up a couple of nasty police officers' days. I like it. Ten thousand times over. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, I just love the idea of just like these police officers, just like I don't know, walking through a swamp, just like when the hell are we gonna get to this tent? It's like I don't know. Yeah, well they they said it was here. They said it was here. Who? Who would lie? <laughs> why, why would someone lie on on the Find It Fix It app? Yeah, we're we're trying to we're trying to make sure that everyone has access to sanitation. <laughs> Who would do such a thing? But wouldn't it be really funny if uh, they just like are walking around with a backpack full of toilet paper? Oh my god! <laughs> and they're just like, uh, well, they told us where to find you, and we figured you needed some of this. <laughs> oh my god! Like it turns out that we're the bad people, we're the misinformed assholes. Yeah, all we have to go on is this is this fucking telephone pole with the poster. Well, hey, on. I mean, if the poster gave us more information, like it's the poster's fault at this point. I take zero responsibility yeah. for misinforming or properly informing our listeners. Yeah, it was a graphic designer that wanted to be an abstract painter, but instead could only find employment through the municipality. Right, just like hostile architecture, architect, archi- right, what's the word? Archi- archi- architect. Ar- oh, there you go. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I literally could not remember how to make that word with my mouth. Architecturist? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's confusing. Uh, All right, Tim. Uh, do we have a silver lining for this? I, I mean, I guess uh, the. I don't know. What do you? What do you? What do you got? What do you got I, you I mean, I, I mean, I guess kind of what we said earlier. Like we can download the app and spend our free time on the toilet, clicking random places, mm-hmm. make it in a defunct. And also, like, uh, if you're you're ever in a rush and you're not exactly sure how to draw a sun and a, a little tent and with some trees behind it, then that's a quick way to do it in a stick figure kind of fashion. There you go. Pretty cool. You know, I know how to do that now. That's pretty cool. I guess we could like link this in the show notes and everybody kind of knows, you know, this is a, uh, this is exactly how you draw a stick tent. <laughs> how to Very tutorial. Nice. Very lovely. Like see, see a tent. Report a tent. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty ridiculous. Excellent. All right. Well, I guess it's that time of the show, Jimmy. What are you sad about, man? So I'm, I'm, I need to start this off by saying this is some uh, uh, first world problem kind of sadness. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I just want to say that I recognize and I realize it's first world problem sadness and it's mm-hmm. not legitimate sadness. So uh, please forgive me for what I'm about to say. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> so the coffee story at the beginning uh, reminded me that in the building that I, I work downtown, uh, there's a there's a coffee shop uh, downstairs, yeah. and so I got cold brew coffee from them. Right? Uh, yeah, fancy, expensive. I'm not even gonna say how much I spent on it, but it was too much money. But it was good. Uh, and then later I decided that I wanted to get, uh, uh, some refill coffee. And so normally if you like buy their standard, you know, hot coffee, it costs however much it costs, but then refills are only a dollar, right? Uh huh. When I went downstairs to get my refill, they told me that since before I got cold brewed coffee, I couldn't get like just regular coffee for a dollar. So they're like, oh no, we're, we, we like charged you full price for the cold brew, and then we'll charge you full price again if you just wanted like a cup of regular Joe. Even though we're going to dump out this coffee in 10 minutes before we close, but we, we won't allow ourselves to give you some cheap coffee. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm not gonna get any more coffee. <laughs> I left. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like I can't be like that sad, but it's like I I spent more than I normally was going to spend for cold brew, and you're not going to uh live up to your my expectations of giving me my ref like my refill price. Like, why? Yeah. Well, that's pretty it, shitty. Of it didn't make me. any sense, but at the same time, you know, uh, when I think about you know. Italians getting fined a thousand dollars and uh, people being crucified. Uh, it, it's it's legitimately not a legitimate reason to be sad. <laughs> Don't you downplay your your sadness, Jimmy? Okay, you're right. It's pretty sad we, indeed, and I'm sorry that you felt that kind of pain. We all go through things. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, you should have just thrown the remainder of your cold brew in it's my like, face. Psh- 
Oh yeah, yeah. you don't want to refill this? How about you? Uh, yeah, how about you? And you just throw it in their face. That's what I think. Wonderful. <laughs> and I just like go in next morning and act like it never happened. I'm like, oh hey, uh, can I get a cup of the uh, house brew? Just like you, you, you splashed, you, you threw coffee in my face yesterday. No, I'm not going to get yeah. coffee for you. It's like, yeah, but I have money. I Isn't this what you're supposed to do? Yeah, you want money, right? <laughs> oh man, that's why uh, retail sucks, and I will hopefully never have to do it ever again. Yeah, I'm sorry, Jimmy. Yeah, that's that's more of a reason to be sad that you worked retail one time. Yeah. <laughs> one time for three years, okay? That's right. Uh, one time for three years. It's not yeah. just one time. <laughs> that's like it, what you said, man. Why, I, I can sad? think of at least one uh, reason why you should be sad. What is that supposed <laughs> to mean? <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm just saying that if you can't think of something, I got something for you. <laughs> Okay, well, after I get done with this, I want to hear exactly what you think I should be sad okay. about. <laughs> so I was uh, working outside today, mm-hmm. and I I got super dirty. I was using an angle grinder to clean rust off of things, and it got like all over my arms, and I looked like super gross. Uh, and when I took my shirt off, I noticed that there was like this clean line. Uh, around where my t-shirt was and then it was just like dirt all over my arms i was like man yeah i'm so i'm so fucking dirty this is gross uh and then i start to like rinse it off and i noticed a lot of it wasn't coming off and i was like oh shit like what is this and i found out that i have a, a legitimate farmer's tan now it, it's more like a farmer's sunburn yeah it's like fucking lame nice. i look i look pretty dopey i like it uh, and also the back of my neck hurts. Nice. <laughs> <That's what I'm... laughs> so why am I, why should I be sad? Jimmy? I mean, if you haven't experienced explosive diarrhea yet, I don't know what will cause you to ever have <laughs> it in your entire life after the past weekend. No, I have a uh, I have what's known in the D and D universe as a cast iron stomach, Damn. usually blessed uh, blessed with dwarves. That's uh, mm-hmm. And uh, I have that. This past weekend, I actually went to go hang out in Louisville with Jimmy, and we went to uh, uh, Royals Chicken. Uh, Royals Chicken, please sponsor us. Royals Chicken, uh, please. Shout out. Shout out, shout out. Uh, Royals Chicken is pretty great. I would recommend that everybody go if they get I'm a chance. you're what still I do recommending not, it. Yep. What I do not recommend is the hottest chicken that they have there. Of course, it's a hot chicken place. Uh, and it ranges from medium to gonzo, and I got the really hot one because it was like, it's probably not going to be that bad. I mean, like, how bad did it possibly it be? be? We're not even really in the south. Yeah, it was fucking terrible. It was, uh, like, the hottest stuff I've ever put in my mouth. Uh, for, uh, for measuring, you know, for metrics sake, uh, Jimmy had, like, a little piece, and he hicked up for an hour. Yeah, I, like, uh... That long. So I think we need to paint a picture. So the Gonzo chicken uh, was served with surgical gloves and a glass of milk. When Tim ordered the yeah. Gonzo chicken, he did not request surgical gloves and a glass of milk. They gave that to him no. without asking for it. It just came with yeah. a fucking meal. Yeah, uh, it was a little concerning to be, to put it lightly. Like Tim, <laughs> I watched him put the chicken in his mouth. And you could count to 10, and by the time you got to 10, tears just started coming out of his face. And he had no physical yeah. control over it. Yeah, it was it was pretty terrible. Um, but yeah, everybody should go. I highly recommend Royal's Chicken. Uh, please visit. It was amazing. Yes. Uh, so, if any of you would like to let us know about... Um, uh, you know, a wave that flipped you over and nearly broke your neck, or uh, maybe a couple of young relatives that you'd like to have beheaded and/or crucified. 
you can let us know at these places. Jimmy, where can they All let right. us know? If you are interested in getting in contact with us for letting us know what's making you sad, you can do so by emailing us at cynicempowerment at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you there. You can also tweet at us at cynicempowerme1 on the Twitter, or you can like us on Facebook at cynicempowerment. Uh, you can message on any of our posts, or you can message us from there. We would love to hear from you, our listeners. Yes. Yes, we certainly would. We would love to hear exactly. Are we doing the thing? Are you doing, are we doing phone calls again? We could do phone calls. <laughs> is it, is that something that's going to be reoccurring? Is it something you want to do again? You could, I don't know. I have nothing prepared, but I can try it. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how to do it either. I don't know. <laughs> Let's not do it. <laughs> Hello. Uh, no, I don't want to. I don't want to answer anymore. <laughs> I want to pick up the phone. <laughs> I want to pick it up. Ring, ring, ring. Hello. I'm not picking it up. I don't want. I want to pick up any phone calls from anyone I don't know the caller ID of. <laughs> I know you're trying. Area, area say- code uh, Moscow. Ring, ring, ring. Yeah. Who is it? <laughs> Hello. It is me. <laughs> I know you fucking hate our show. <laughs> <God damn. laughs> Suck balls.